as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode 96. Thank you very much for listening, watching, wherever you are, and however you may be tuning in. I appreciate it very, very much. And this episode is sponsored by one of our fantastic, high-flying, gold-raisin patrons, Jack Bull. Thank you very much. Uh, for sponsoring this episode, and we will get into specifically what uh, Jack has requested uh, for this episode a little bit later. But let me take a moment to thank the rest of the notorious patrons: Regis Stella, Lane, Skamelt six six six, Jack Bull, our sponsor for this episode, and Blade X Life. Thank you for your continued support of Pirate Talk Radio. And of my content, I very, very, very much appreciate it. Really, really helps. If you would like to go check out the patron and get involved and get some perks and, and fun things like that, I know, uh, I know, I've gotten some pictures of the holiday card and, and things like that that people really enjoyed. So, uh, if you would like to check out uh, all the different perks that you can get, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/Davram. TV and check out all the different tiers um, available and what you can get at those different tiers. Um, so before we get into the specific uh, request of of Jack in this sponsored episode, I want to uh, hit some news first. Uh, we got a lot of news uh, happening right now, uh, and I know next week we'll have a lot to talk about because we'll have a patch. Uh, next week. In fact, by the time this episode comes out, many of you have probably already started to take part in that patch um, with the new adventure. Uh, obviously comes with a new patch, and I anticipate, uh, based on the Sea of Thieves news that we got, uh, that there's going to be a significant amount of patch notes revolving around PvP in the Season 8 um, as they continue to tweak, adjust, and balance um, what has been, unfortunately, a relatively buggy exploit filled uh season for them in this pvp season i mean we're you know months now into this season we're we're honestly looking forward to season nine and we're still we still do not have clean code uh for season eight when it comes around to pvp which is which is not good it's the first time uh that uh that rare has done a pvp focused season uh in in though there's a lot of potential in this season. There's a lot of potential going forward um, as far as how this game mode uh, will affect and has affected this game. We continue to see, though, that the quality of coding, the quality of quality assurance, and giving players a strong, clean code that is without major bugs and exploits is just not in Rare's repertoire. They just cannot do that. Um, and they are very slow to react. Obviously, this season came out uh, right around the holidays. Uh, it's, it's something that, in my opinion, I understand that a lot of game companies do this. They want to get some sort of update out to players during the holidays. Why? They want to get your ass in your seat playing their game during the holidays. So they want to try to release some sort of season, some sort of new content. The problem with that is if you're also a company who does right by their employees and gives people time off during the holidays and make sure people have that time with their family and friends. What happens is if you release shite code that just is broken, which Sea of Thieves historically does every single episode, every single update, when you've got people that are not in the office, when you've got critical decision makers, which are not there, they're on vacation or they're doing this, that stuff's not getting fixed for weeks. Blunder bombs that needed balanced the weekend after season eight release. It was weeks. 
These these adjustments that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit should have been fixed a month ago. Not now, a month ago. The problem is Rare is waiting for players to abuse something before they go in and fix it. And that's not how it should be. That is not how it should be. These things have been issues in insiders, I've been told. Um, they have been issues since day one, and Rare is waiting until people are complaining on social media, playing on, uh, complaining on forums, releasing all these videos, having this massive stack of, of CSR tickets, I assume, about cheaters and, and exploiters and all this stuff, before they actually take action. And that's, that's ridiculous. I understand that in a in a world of large developers, Rare is not a huge developer, say like a Blizzard, right? They're not. But the fact of the matter is, if you ever have wondered about World of Warcraft and things like that or have ever played that game, when they release a new raid, right? When they release a new raid, it is all hands on deck for until that raid is beaten, it is all hands on deck for those developers and those decision makers. Basically, 24 hours a day for however many weeks it takes for that raid to go down. They are watching streams. They are watching YouTube videos. They are watching it live. They are watching people do this stuff, and they are tweaking things in the moment. There have been many times when I've watched the Race to World first where a boss um, will be attacked uh, a couple times by the guild, and then all of a sudden the boss will just go poof, and then poof, it's back, and then the boss, boss's mechanics have changed, or damage has changed, or health pool has changed. Just like that. Why? Because there's only so much testing that can be done in QA with, you know, and, and rare is a, is a team that they like to give us stuff to test, but in the same regards, they like to keep stuff back as well. Um, little surprises, right? Um, but the problem is if you're not going to actively fix this stuff in a timely manner, it's just not good. It's not fun. It is not fun to play weeks of blunder bombs destroying you. It is not fun to play weeks with people building what 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 they call them turkey walls with all the chests and the the crates and stuff around the thing to prevent your damage. It's not fun. It is not fun that you land a chain shot on a mast, but wait, the pirate on the other boat has jumped in front of that chain shot and tanked the damage. So though you got a difficult shot to hit the mast, it doesn't count because a player has, has, has jumped in front of it. Yes, these are things that have happened. These are things that are happening. And let's not forget, it is not fun to do a combat game when hit registration doesn't work, and that has not worked in four years or more. What I'm getting at is Rare needs to be quicker in their responses. They need to put out more clean code. And if they continue down the line of shit code, then they need to have all hands on deck and have these things fixed the next day, in three days, within a week. We cannot be going week after week after week, exploit after exploit after exploit, bug after bug after bug, broken system after broken system after broken system, and expect players to just sit back and be like, oh, yep, yeah, it's, it, yep, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You have dangled the carrot in front of players. You have given them something, the ghost curse, the skeleton curse, the golden ghost curse, the golden skeleton curse. You have put this stuff in front of players, and you know, you should know after almost five years, how your players are. They want the cosmetics as fast as possible. And if you have broken systems in your game, they cannot get that. And then they start looking at that grind to a hundred, grind to a thousand. And they start to realize that's impossible for me. And they start getting discouraged. And then they stop playing. And then your season eight PVP system becomes just like arena when only 1% of the population is doing it. <clears throat> Hell. When I turn on Sea of Thieves streams nowadays, sure, there are still people doing Hourglass, right? But there are a lot of PvP players that were hyped about Season 8. They were hyped about it. They got in it hard early, and now what are they doing? They're back to normal adventures without the Hourglass, tucking, stealing, and ambushing players out in the wild. 
There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But the idea of creating this Season 8 PvPQ system was to try to alleviate the amount of PvP happening out in adventure <clears throat> while people are trying to do their PvE activities. Now, Rare may say this is just a different way to play. It's a different option for those hardcore PvP players, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's because you don't want to do PvE servers. This was your way to entice PvP only or PvP focused players to do something and get them out of the PvE players world so you can stop hearing the whining. That that was what this was about. And and because of the lack of quality in the build and because of the lack of attention that you have given it over these first couple weeks uh, and months and so, you're losing it. And it's going to become the arena. I said this before season eight came out. I said that if rare does not make sure this is quality code, it is solid. It is very crisp and clean or they're delaying days, weeks to fix major issues. What's going to happen? Players are just going to stop playing it just like the arena. And we've already, we're not even over with season eight and we're already seeing that from the player base pulling away from the the hourglass. And when you start seeing the big names out there, Hitbo, you start seeing um Pace. Those those people who stream, they have big audiences. <clears throat> And when they start talking down about the systems, when they start moving away from playing that game and playing other games, when they stop playing the hourglass and start going back to tucking and attacking players out in a venture, so goes their audience. Because their audience, a majority of them will listen to their opinions and they will start going back to the old ways. And again, it'll just be like the arena where very few people are queuing up. So what do we expect to change here? And again, by the time this comes out, the adventure will already be out. The patch will already be pushed. But I'm not going to talk about it this time because I haven't played it. I haven't experienced it, so I can't talk about it um, in, in a way that I like to talk about it. So what are some of the things that we are going to uh, see here? First, same faction battles are finally in. This is good. This is a good thing. Because at the end of the day, if you want to raise up uh, your guardians or your your reapers, it's sometimes difficult because the queue times can be very high because the opposing faction is not queuing up. Personally, same faction, um, same faction battles should have been something default in the very beginning. It just should have been. There is no reason whatsoever that that this did not exist in the very beginning. Um, it, it, it's real life. It is ultimately real life. Yes, there was you know pirates out there that worked together, but at the end of the day, if you have a score that you want. And your friend that you just worked together with has it, you're going to go get it because you got to get paid. So why same faction battles didn't exist in the very beginning, it makes no sense on a pirate level. It makes sense on a faction war level of servants versus guardians. That checks out. But it makes no sense on a pirate level. It makes no sense whatsoever on a pirate level. And at the end of the day, this is a pirate game. No, no matter how much they want to push the the war effort between the pirate lord and the and and Flameheart, this is still a pirate game. Don't treat it like it's a two faction war because you failed to do a two faction war multiple times in recent memory. Stop doing that. This is a pirate game. Make sure it feels like a pirate game. We don't need good guys and we don't need bad guys. It's a pirate game. Get with the program. Cross-region battles, or what they call, I don't remember what, stamps, right? Uh, they talked in a, a previous time about stamps and what that is. It's like breaking um, the globe into smaller sections so that you have stronger server stability. You don't have, like, some people entering um, a server with really high ping, even though they're they're here just because of what stamp they are. They're doing a cross-stamp play, which, again, this is something I think they should have had squared out in the very beginning. 
This season was supposed to be about this hourglass feature. This season was supposed to be about battling other pirates on demand. And I'm sorry. These features that we are talking about right now, same faction battles and cross stamp battles, why has it taken this long to get them in here? Why wasn't this on the board? Why wasn't this written on the board must be done at release? Like, I, I don't get it. Was it was it one of those things that you put a box on the whiteboard and you said, these are things we want to get done? And then as you got closer to that hard deadline, because it seems like Rare is so stuck on these hard deadlines, we have to get something out regardless if it's ready or not. You just start kicking key features out that make your system work. I just don't get it. Push the damn deadline. Get something done. Get it done clean. Does it have to be complete? No, but get the key features in there. We're talking about on-demand PvP, and you don't have cross-faction pirate battles? Who cares about the two war side? You suck at that story anyways. But as far as the, 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 the cross-region stuff, the stamp things, come on. You want the biggest possible player pool that you can get so that queue times are a minute or less. I'm sorry, but when I walk up to my hourglass and I see four to six minutes, is that a long time? No. Do I want to wait that long? Hell no. Especially if I'm diving and I can't do anything in those four to six minutes except sit there underwater and walk really slow. Sure, the environment looks really cool underwater, but I want to do something. I'm not doing anything productive while I'm diving. So why these things weren't implemented in the very beginning, I'm guessing they ran out of time. They didn't know how to get it done in the amount of time, and now they're finally getting it done, and they're releasing it. So what is this now going to break? What is it going to break now? Are you going to screw up the merging system? Like what? This, 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 is, this is the distrust that I have now built with this game that I love is whenever they do something that I see as something they should have done already, something good like cross uh, stamp or cross region battles, same faction battles. When they do something like that, the first thing that comes to my mind is what did they break? Because it happens every single time. Hey guys, we fixed silent boarding. Ah, mm, bucket regs back. Oh, hey, 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 we fixed the the bucket reg issue. Uh, mm, uh, food regs, Beck. Oh, uh, we fixed the food reg issue, um, but the sword gives you invulnerability. Like that's This is my problem. I love this game. I love the art style of this game. I love the story, even though the start of the Briggsy story sucked. I love the story in general. The, the, I just love the culture and what this game has built. But when it comes to coding and development and critical things in this game, when they do something good, it's bad that the first thing in my mind is not, this is cool, clappa clappa, it's all right. What did you break? What did you break that's going to piss me off now? And that is not the experience a player should have. The player should not go in excited about a new feature, and the only thing they can think about is what is broken now. What was working that's not working now. That should not be the experience of players. But unfortunately, now playing this game for years, that is my experience, and Rare is doing nothing to change that. They're getting worse about things. Next thing that we get, increased allegiance for losses. So, again, <clears throat> it's been made very apparent um, that there are a lot of players that obviously want the cosmetics. However, um, they're, they're not skilled or have no interest in PvP. So they're going to lose. They're going to lose a lot. I mean, I love PvP and I'm interested in PvP. But I lose a lot. Why? I don't play Sea of Thieves as much as I used to because of how broken the game is. I still play it multiple hours a week, but I, I don't play it like every single day like I used to. Why? The game is too broken. The game is too broken for me to enjoy it that much time in a week. And it hurts me to say that, but I love the game. 
I mean, many of you, uh, many of you who tune into my streams are always wondering why I'm playing Destiny 2 uh, and when the next time I'm playing Sea of Thieves is. And I'm completely honest. I'm enjoying Destiny. Why? Because the game's not fucking broken. I can shoot something and it dies. I can stab it with a sword and it dies. I can block and it blocks. It's that simple. Their systems work. Sea of Thieves doesn't. And as a person who is very competitive, playing a game, regardless of how good I am, I'm very competitive. I just suck at video games. But when when the system, the game is literally fighting me because it's broken, I, I can't enjoy that. And I get very frustrated because I know I'm bad. But when I do something skillful and good and it doesn't work because of the game, I, I just, I have to, I have to step away because I will get too mad. People have seen me on stream playing PvP and Sea of Thieves and slamming my desk and yelling. It happens. And that is not a healthy behavior. I know for everyone out there, it's entertaining to watch Davram get mad. I get it. A lot of you listen to the show because they, you know, at one of these times, the fuse is going to pop and I'm going to go off. But for me and my health, I prefer not to get mad all the time. I prefer not to be mad all the time. So increases allegiance for losses. This includes if you run out of bounds. So for those players out there who are just looking for allegiance and don't really care about fighting in PvP, maybe it is too stressful for you. Maybe you just don't want to do it. Just join the battle and run out of bounds. You'll still get allegiance now. Um, this is a good one. And again, why it took them this long to realize that this was going to be a problem, I have no idea. Why it's taken, I don't know how many thousands of tweets and probably forum posts to show them, hey, dumbasses, remember elite, uh, remember Alliance servers out there? Yeah, they're manipulating the system. We had that since day one, but it's taken you this long to figure it out. They have removed Hourglass and Allegiance games for any third-party ship. The only people who get Allegiance and, and, uh, and Hourglass are the two uh, ships that actually pair together. Those are the only ones. So if you want to bring your friends and you want to bring your alliance, that's fine. You're not getting any credit. You're wasting your time. Only the two, only the two boats and the crews attached to those boats who actually queued together are the ones that get the allegiance. Now, is this going to stop the third partying? No. To be honest, third partying is kind of funny and kind of fun. Uh, I mean, I've done it. Um, is it going to stop the alliance servers? Potentially. Um, you know, they might, I don't, I, I don't know how they operate, but I'm sure they'll figure out something they always do. Um, but I know in general, players are not going to participate in these activities as much if they know they can't work towards their curses. That's at the end of the day, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to maximize, um, the, the best way to, to get the wins, get the win streak, get the hourglass value and get their, uh, get their allegiance up and get their curses so they can stop doing that particular feature because they don't want to. Um, so this is going to make that more challenging again, why it took them this long. I have no idea. This should have been fixed within the first week because it's, it was no fun to play against. And then finally, the lovely Turkey walls that we talked about, uh, the, we get another at the end of the sea of thieves news video, we got another disappointed look from one of the senior developers and designers, uh, because tools, not rules, but by the way, you have to play by our rules, um, because our code sucks. <clears throat> and so if our code sucks and you figure out something that is, uh, that's a tool to you, uh, and we don't like it, we're going to take your tool away. Uh, Turkey walls, the ability to put up crates around your ship and prevent, um, damage from cannonballs that has now been fixed. Why it took it this long. I don't know why it took just about every single crew. It seemed like out there building these Turkey walls for rare to say, huh, maybe we should have not allowed this at the very beginning. Why it takes this long. Why rare is being reactive about this stuff is absolutely asinine. These things, though, I'm not saying all this stuff, every single scenario cannot be tested by a QA team. I don't care if you are the best gaming software QA team in the world, you're not going to catch everything. You're not going to catch everything. It is impossible. You can bring in it. You go through your list of banned sea of thieves players, pay them 
a hundred, pay them 50 bucks an hour to test your patch for a week before it comes out. And they still will not find every single bug and exploit. I promise you. It's just impossible. There are going to be bugs. There are going to be exploits. It's the speed in which Sea of Thieves takes to respond to them that is the problem. And getting them fixed without breaking something else. That is Rare's problem when it comes to Sea of Thieves right now. They do not fix things quickly and completely without busting something out. And it makes the playing experience awful. Also with this new update that again is out by the time you guys are listening to this, uh, there's a new series of uh, cosmetics uh, being released in the pirate emporium, all based around the Minotaur and the labyrinth, which for me, um, is is awesome. Um, I love Greek mythology, um, and and the 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 fact that we have something like Odysseus. Um, and if you don't know the Odyssey or Odysseus, I'm sorry. Um, it is great. Um, but we now have the Labyrinth uh, ship set, which looks pretty cool. It's unique. Um, I love the figurehead. In fact, this might be. Co- I I know I love my Obsidian figurehead. This one might become my new figurehead. I'm not sure yet. I don't think the colors match, but it's it, it is labyrinth. But I can twist that to Viking real easy. Uh, so it's really cool. It's all based around obviously the Minotaur. So a lot of like bull skulls and horns. Um, you can get the new labyrinth costume, which basically turns you into a Minotaur, which is kind of cool. Uh, and there's a new weapon set. I'm not a huge fan of the weapon set. Um, it, it it doesn't. It doesn't ring uh, true to me. Uh, it looks cool, but it, for me, uh, it doesn't ring to me. I hope someone out there likes it because it, it is cool, but it just doesn't ring with my style. Um, you also have a whole set of new um, emote bundles for all you rowboat uh, enthusiasts out there. I'm looking at you, Hull. Um, you can now have a whole bunch of ore emotes if you would like that bundle. And... As always, there is a free emote for all you Mortal Kombat fans out there or all of you uh, picking a fight fans out there. There is the come here emote, which is a very cool menacing emote where your pirate sits back and like taunts the uh, taunts your enemy to come at you. Really cool emote. And that one is free in the Pirate Emporium. So a really cool um, update there from the Pirate Emporium. Um, I, I, I thought thought it was really nice um, to see some of that stuff. Um, there is another cosmetic out there that's floating around uh, that I have my opinions on. And we'll get to that next after we talk about the new adventure. Now, again, I am not going to spoil anything at the new adventure because, again, haven't played it uh, by the time this is out. Many of you probably have played it and be able to answer some of these questions I have. But as of the 19th of uh, January going through into February, um, we will have the new adventure. This is chapter two of the Briggsy uh, trilogy. Each of these adventures, again, in three parts. Uh, the first part, we re- we found out that uh, Tasha uh, began to become cursed and began um, to uh, have a skeleton bones instead of flesh. Um, that has now progressed, and she is turning more and more into a skeleton. And the first adventure, we traveled around, um, and we got a little bit of a understanding of, of the history of Briggsy was not good. Um, as we talked about, you can go back and listen to that episode if you want. Um, but what we the the critical piece that we learned was that Briggsy was trying to find a cure uh, for the skeleton curse. So now, um, as it it calls out in in the Sea of Thieves news, we did not get a trailer this time. Um, sources have told me that the trailer is going to launch the same day as the adventure, which to me I think is very pointless. The trailer is supposed to get you excited for the adventure. If you're releasing it on the same day as the adventure, people are just logging in and playing the adventure. Where the the trailer is nice to have. It was always like on a Tuesday, and the adventure would come out on a Thursday 
Thursday. I'm not sure why they didn't do it this way this time. I don't know if it was time or whatever. Not sure. But but not having a trailer was kind of a bummer because I, there's not much I can talk about um, leading up to this adventure. There's nothing I can get hyped on. I can tell you this. The hype score on this particular adventure is going to be low. Why? Because there is no hype. The adventure comes out and I have no trailer about it. So what? why? You know, if if the rumors are true and the trailer is going to come out um, during the actual when the adventure launches, sure, I'll probably watch it. But I'm not giving you hype points because you didn't hype me up. You didn't hype me up. You got to have the video to hype me up a couple days before. So I got that energy. I got that hype and I'm going into the adventure. So this was, I think, a very critical mistake on the Sea of Thieves part to not have this trailer to get people excited for the adventure, especially after how bad their last Briggsy adventure was. They needed something to really drive you. The last adventure, the trailer got you hyped. The adventure let you down. This one, they needed to have another hype trailer leading into a really good adventure. Um, and not having the trailer is a real big bummer. Um, uh, we got a couple little sneak peek uh, bits in the particular um, in the particular video um, with the Sea of Thieves news. Very little. It looks like either we might get the Briggsy mask or we're going to to encounter a young Briggsy because the hat, the taco hat with the mask was on what appeared to be a flesh and blood young pirate. Um, so one of the two, I think we're going to it's it's it's. It's more likely we're going to meet a young Briggsy uh, during this particular time. It seems like this might be a, a step through um, a step through time type adventure where we're going to go back in time and kind of meet Briggsy, see what she was all about um, and things like that. Because remember, remember. Briggsy was a really cool character, and unfortunately, we didn't get to I, I'm really hoping this uh trilogy gives me more about her because she's a very intriguing character and I really want to know more about her. Um, but remember when you're fighting her, she always says that one of her lines is I didn't ask to be cursed. So learning how she got cursed and then finding out that she was searching for a cure for this curse really shows that that becoming cursed and all this stuff, this was not what Briggsy wanted. This was not what she wanted in her life, and she was trying to reverse it. Um, so I'm really excited to see where this goes. I just hope that we get a little bit more interesting stuff in this one uh, than we did um, in the, the last one. The last one really let me down. Um, but that should be out by the time this is, uh, this that will be out, uh, by the time that this uh, this this uh, video releases, this uh, podcast releases. Uh, so check out the new adventure. Next week we'll go deep dive into the patch notes um, from all that stuff and go into the adventure review itself. So... There is a particular cosmetic that has released, and Davram's not happy about it. Davram is not happy about it. Part of me wants to blame Rare for not standing up against Big Daddy Microsoft because Rare knows their player base. Part of me also understands the business and understands the importance of playing games, playing the game uh, to make your larger conglomerate owner happy and understands the importance of unique marketing. So I'm torn. But one thing I'm not torn about and I'm going to direct this at Microsoft, regional exclusive game unlocks are 100% bullshit. I don't care how much those cream-filled fucking cookies have paid you or whatever that deal was I don't know. Maybe all the employees got Oreos for life. I don't care. You have players globally, globally, who like cosmetics. 
May it be Forza or Halo or Sea of Thieves, especially Sea of Thieves, where the entire fucking game is cosmetics and players like go nuts over them. Okay? The fact that you would sign up with a deal for a regionally exclusive set of cosmetics for your game is absolutely disgusting. It is absolutely rude to your players, and it's just the middle finger to all of us. Like I said, I'm 50-50. I don't know what the conversations from Rare to Microsoft are. I don't know what type of say that Rare has Um, with the big boys at Microsoft. They might not have any say. But I also understand the value of marketing. And for Rare, having, having their code for their game in this pack of Oreos alongside games like Halo and Forza, this is good for their marketing. It's very good. But for their players who are global players and who the entire game is about collecting cosmetics, it absolutely sucks for their players. It absolutely sucks for their players. Now, before anyone out there starts messaging me, I've already got DMs. I've already got messages. I appreciate everyone in the community reaching out and asking me if I need this code. I just want to let everyone know I did not ask for this code. I did not buy this code. I did not offer goods, services, or cash for this code. But the day the code launched, a wonderful friend and community member sent me the code as they were out at the store getting their Oreos and whatever. And I had the code on the day one that it launched. So thank you to that person. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, and to the rest of you out there who have codes, who have access to codes, don't go out there and buy cases of Oreos to get codes and codes and codes. But if you have extra codes and you have, have things and you want to share the love out there, by all means, come into the Game Legion uh, Discord, find a player out on the seas who might be in the United States, you know, whatever. Don't look. Here's the thing. Don't put it out there on Twitter that you have extra codes because you're going to get slammed with people. All right. I don't care what you do with your codes, but as a Sea of Thieves community, try to help folks who 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 are in different regions and who have no access to get these codes. Try to help those players out. Reach out in different Discord servers. Find some good folks. If you're a streamer out there, use it as some sort of giveaway or something like that. Do something to help get these codes out of your region uh, so more people can have this co- cosmetic. It's a cool ship cosmetic. It is a really cool ship cosmetic. I hope they do more styles like that in the future. It's simple. It's not flashy at all. It's really nice. It's really nice. It's black and white and a little bit of blue. It looks really, really good. But I am not happy at Microsoft for signing a deal with exclusive uh, regional locked cosmetics for one region. Not every region gets the cosmetic or a different type of cosmetic. One singular region is getting this. And congratulations to that region. But hello, our players are global, okay? We are global. Think of your players. We are in 2023 now. Think about that. Think about that. All that this opens up, though, is for more codes like the Black Dog kit, the uh, the the Ferryman kit, the uh, the Midnight Blunderbuss, all those different things. All that this opens up is a ridiculous, redonkulous uh, money grab on eBay. That's what this opens up. So, again, if you're out there, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your code. I'm not going to tell you to put it on eBay. If you want to put it on eBay, it's your code. You pay for the Oreos, you get it. But just if you have the kindness in your heart, give some of the codes away to some folks in in the other regions. I have mine. I'm not worried about it. But try to be a good community member. Try to get these codes out to folks out there who have no access to get them and who, who otherwise would have to pay a stupid amount of money on eBay in order to get them and hopefully not get scammed. All right. Time for the sponsored segment of this show. Jack, our wonderful uh, patron, uh, sponsored this episode. 
and in sponsoring this episode had asked for a specific uh, thing to be discussed and um, and a segment uh, about it. Now, I don't think I could do a whole episode on this, um, which is why I'm not. Uh, so I, I have this whole segment uh, lined down. And, and Jack, the segment or, or what Jack wanted uh, discussed in this episode was my story, specifically my Sea of Thieves story. And I've talked about where I've, uh, how long I've played the game and how many hours I've played the game. I'm closing in on like a hundred days played um, in the game. And he wanted to, he wanted, you know, I don't think he knows the full story, to be honest. Um, and and I, I think he wanted that and, and to, to talk just about where this entire journey came from. So um, I think this story, first off, if I log into Sea of Thieves website, according to Sea of Thieves, I've played this uh, game since the the first month that it, it played. I had no idea what Sea of Thieves was. I, I don't know why their website and their systems say I logged into this game um, at, at some point during that first month that they released. I didn't. I didn't. Unless for some reason I was over at someone's house and I was on their Xbox and they had Sea of Thieves and I clicked on it accidentally and I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but I don't have any of the, the year one cosmetics or anything like that. So, again, don't know. Um, but I think I think my story of Sea of Thieves needs to start before Sea of Thieves. And that is the types of games I play. I know there's a few folks who tune into my stream um, and they ask me, hey, have you seen this TV show or have you seen this movie or have you seen or have you played this game? And they're and, and just like my coworkers or or any other person that I interact with, um, they're always amazed when I say I don't really watch TV. I don't really watch movies and I don't really play a whole lot of games. People are always amazed about that because again, in this, in this high tech world where you got basically a TV in the palm of your hand every single day, people are amazed that I don't watch the new popular shows and, and I don't watch all these shows coming out on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. And I don't watch these movies. And that's, that's because I've got a, I've got a lot of things going on and I'm a person who really values productivity. Uh, maybe that's reading a book or going to the gym or working around the house. There's so many things uh, to do and sitting on my butt is not high on my priority list. And though I love gaming, it's just not, it's, it's, it's not something I do solo. Okay. So my gaming um, background started, um, I remember my first game that I truly fell in love with. And that was a game called Ultima online. Now, if you've not heard of Ultima online, that's because I'm too old. Honestly, 100% honestly, the reason you haven't heard of Ultima online is because I'm old. Let me just pull up here. Ultima online was released on September 24th, 1997. 1997. This was the first game that I had experienced that was a multi massive multiplayer game. I had played Warcraft. I had played Starcraft. I played those type of games. But this was the first game that was... You dial to the internet. Yes, dial. If you've never heard that sound in the world, yes, it's because I'm too old. Um, and you would enter this world where people were there. NPCs were there. Towns were there. And you could travel between them on a horse or on a donkey or, or on a boat. <clears throat> and there was PvP. And there was PVE and there were dungeons to crawl through. But what I loved most about it was you could walk into a town and there could be hundreds of people there around a bank selling things to each other and talking to each other. And you could find a group and then go out on some grand adventure. And it was at that point that I fell in love with massive multiplayer games. The category 
MMORPG has been the category that I play most games in. However, I've kind of pulled away from the RPG piece and just stayed with MMO. From Ultima Online, I moved to a game which I still play uh, on occasion um, to this day. And I know if you've listened to the stream, um, um, you know what game this is. And it's my favorite game of all time, and that is EverQuest. Um, it is the first 3D MMO RPG. It was before World of Warcraft uh, by four years, I think. This game released in March of 1999. I beta tested this game um, in in the end of uh, 98. And so March 1999. And like I said, still to this day in 2020. Three, I still uh, will log into EverQuest every now and again just to play. But again, another game where you ventured out, you saw hundreds of people every day, interacted with the people, made friends, etc., etc., etc. From there, I moved to World of Warcraft, and though primarily my time was still spent in EverQuest, a lot of my friends that played EverQuest moved on to other games like World of Warcraft. And so when I don't have people to play with, I lose interest in that game. So solo games, no matter how good they are, Jedi Fallen Order, have no interest in playing through that game. Dark Souls, have no interest in playing through that game. Last of Us, have no interest in playing through that game. You know, and and I get it. People are blown away by the fact that I don't have interest in playing through some of these iconic, highly rated, and wonderful games. I will watch on Twitch while I'm doing laundry or something, someone else playing it. But for me to sit down and not interact with other players in the world, it's it. I have very little interest in a video game like that. As I played through World of Warcraft and it started to lose, you know, the years went by, expansions went by. Uh, I would bounce between EverQuest and, and WoW and then Final Fantasy XIV came out. But you're seeing a trend here, right? I, I kind of bounced between games based on where my friends were and games that had a community around them where I would enter a town, see hundreds of people and be able to talk to people. I went through a period of time where World of Warcraft wasn't fun. I was not enjoying it. Final Fantasy XIV, all my friends had left. And EverQuest, most of my friends had stopped playing. And I was searching for the next game that was going to take my time. That was going to give me people to interact with. Was going to give me PvP and PvE. And was going to have a strong story. I need games to have all of those pieces. If it is not a massive multiplayer with a good story and PvP, I'm probably not going to play it. I was talking. Uh, I was. I was talking to my brother, and we were trying to figure out a game to play. And he said, "Have you ever heard of a game called Sea of Thieves?" I said, no. What is it? It's like, it's a pirate game where you sail around ships and, and, and kill other people. I'm like, I like pirates. I like boats. I definitely like PVP. Tell me more. So he said, well, it's on game pass. <clears throat> I said, oh, well, do I have to play on Xbox? He's like, no, it's on PC. I said, oh. Well, okay then. Said so download it since you have Xbox Game Pass, download it and we'll try it. So I downloaded it. And now this was not year one. This was year two. And I started playing this game um when the uh let's see here, Heart of Fire had just released. Um let me let me pull this up here. Let me see when I don't remember the exact date. We were talking about this the other day on stream. Uh, what was it? The Heart of Fire Tall Tale Release. Um, so March 2020. So I guess this would be uh, year three. Would that be correct? Year three? Eight, tw 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, 
Or is that year two? 99. Uh, count it back. 2023, year five. 2022, year four. 2021, year three. So, yeah, year two. My math is probably wrong. Someone will yell at me. It's fine. So, Heart of Fire came out in t- March of 2020. Um, and that's, that's when I started playing and the first thing, and it's funny that I say this, the first thing that caught my eye when I got into this game was my brother was huge on, um, um, the, the wild rose set, um, just something, I don't know, he likes roses. Huge on the Wild Rose set. And I was trying to find a a set that that made me feel good, made my pirate look good. Now, I will be the first to tell you, I was not a Kraken Lord, and I was not a Crab Lord, because I personally thought those outfits looked like shit. Okay? I made my pirate look like a pirate tattered clothes, belly hanging out. And then I saw the ashen outfits from the chests. And I know I had to have that. It glowed. How cool is that? A tattered long trench coat that, that glows boots and stuff that glow with fire. Isn't that cool? So we sat out to collect all of the tomes. We did everything from forts to fleets to krakens to megs to to using all of our all of our currency to buy the um, ashen chests that you could every every end of our play session we would use whatever currency we had mustered to dig up ash all the ashen chests until we were at zero 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 on our currency um, to dig up all the ashen keys and ashen chests we could at the outpost. And so we could, we could try to get all the bits. We did the tall tales to get the tall tale bits, the heart of fire and that stuff. And I was decked out in all trashing. I was glowing and I was feeling myself. And then I realized that you are a beacon for bullets and you can be seen everywhere. If you want to try to hide in a bush, nope, you glow. If you want to try to hide in the ship, nope, you glow. And I realized I had just decked myself out in the stupidest outfit known to man. And I was at a loss. I was having so much fun playing through the tall tales. Now I didn't do the gold curse completely at that point. Um, but I had did, uh, most of the tall tales for, uh, for one. And I was playing this game. I would say a good three to four hours, um, every weeknight. And on the weekends, I was probably playing, um, eight to 10 hours a day. Like that, that's the type of game time I was playing. I was knocking accommodations out. I was crushing, getting the trash and shit. I was, I was rolling, right? Because the game was, was something that I had been longing for. That style of game was something that I had wanted for so long because EverQuest, Ultima Online, World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, they all had lots of players and things to interact with. And now I had found a game that was pirates, that I could interact with pirates. I could kill pirates. I could do a whole bunch of fun stuff, but there were players everywhere. I will tell you that in, um, let me see here. When was this written? It was probably written poorly. Um, let's see here. When was, when was, does it tell me when my review was, was written? It doesn't. So 
this was my steam review and mind you, um, mind you currently I have 1,147 hours played on steam. Um, but that plus my Xbox time, I'm closing in on a hundred days of playtime. Uh, this review was written 40 hours into my steam play, which, which mind you, I had already played a whole bunch on Xbox. And this is, this is how I wrote, wrote the review, uh, when this I've searched through a game like this for a long time, so many different ways to play, so many PvP and PvE options to mix up gameplay. If you're a completionist, you have content to work on. 10 out of 10 would recommend every time. Be prepared to fight. If you don't think this is a PvP game, you are mistaken. It's a game about pirates and stealing from others. It's literally in the title. That was my review that I wrote on Steam. It wasn't until I was cruising around and I saw a pirate with a green coat, a tattered green coat. Now, mind you, I love green and black. I, I don't even remember this pirate's name, but it was a tattered green coat with a skull lapel pin. And I thought that was the coolest jacket ever. And just like you did back in the day before everyone was completely bloodthirsty in the start, I asked him, I said, hey, where'd you get that? Because I need it in my life. And he said, oh, this is the Fort of the Jam jacket. This jacket is for completing, I think it's 10 Fort of the Dams. Young pirate that I was, what is the Fort of the Damned, you say? Oh, well, you have to go and collect all these different colored lights from die from dying. And I'm like, I have to die to c collect these lights. They're like, yeah. So you die to a skeleton You on the ferry. There's that, that lantern in the middle. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, he's like, if you hold that lantern up and you push your button, you get a green light and you can bring it back to your ship and put it on your ship. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can decorate my ship in pretty colors. Wait, no, we don't want to glow. And he said, if you do that with lightning from the storm, the, the, and he explained it all, the, the skeleton, the shark, the, the, the snake, if you get all these lights fire, you can then go to the center Island of the map, the fort of the, fort of the damned, right in the center of the map. And you take those lights one by one and you light them in this throne room and place a ritual skull. I knew what that was because I had been doing the ashen chests and I'd seen them. You put a ritual skull on this body in a cage and it starts the event. And you'll have to kill waves of skeletons and then you kill a boss and that's how you complete it. Oh. Okay then. And I told him, I'm going to go do the Fort of the Damned. And he chuckled and said, good luck. I didn't know what I was in for. So I, I went and I collected my lights and I lit the flames and I put my ritual skull in and I be prepa I prepared myself for a fort battle. It's a little bit more than a fort battle. If you've done uh, Fort of the Damned out there, it's all glowing skeleton, lots of caves. There was a lot of death. I will tell you this. There was a lot of death. And I finished my first Fort of the Damned solo and then I was inducted into what sea of thieves was going to become for me that wonderful amazing nice pirate who had explained the torches who had explained where the Fort of the Damned was and who had told me exactly how to get my future favorite jacket in the game. He blew up my ship. He took all my loot, including my glowing chest of legends. And I sat there in awe. Because I had entered this game coming from EverQuest and World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV. And though I love PvP, the concept of betrayal, RKO out of nowhere, 
I just told you how to do something and I'm going to take all your shit. Never crossed my mind. And that pirate baptized me and what would future become my playstyle in PV and Sea of Thieves. And that is trust no one, especially the nice people, and kill everyone. My first Fort of the Damned, I completed solo. It took me a long time. I have got Fort of the Damned down to a science now, but it took me a long time the first time I did Fort of the Damned. I, at this point, have done, I know it stops tracking at a certain point, but I'm pretty sure I'm well over 100 Fort of the Damned at this point. I love that event. I know some people don't, but I was, compl- I wasn't upset. I was, I was a little irritated because that was a lot of loot. I mean, that was the most loot I had seen since I started playing the game. But literally this dude told me how to go get this loot that he w- knew he was going to take from me. It was awesome. Since then, <clears throat> I met some really cool people out on the seas. Um, I, I know there's a lot of uh, Sea of Thieves had uh, back in the day, they had the community section on their website where you could find community discords. Um, and that's how I, uh, I came across a uh, discord community called the Cutthroat Pirates. And you can see their, the, their flag right back here. Uh, which will be hanging in my new office, but the flag right back there. Um, and I saw on the community thing, the cutthroat pirates, they talked about bloodthirsty PVP. They talked about uh, lore and storytelling and knowledge. And I was like, this seems like a cool group. I want to get involved. So I, I joined the discord. And, and since then, I mean, I don't talk in the discord a whole lot, but I've made some outstanding friends. Um, I've had the opportunity to help them do some really cool celebrations, uh, glitter beard, uh, their light up the sky nights where we set up hundreds of kegs on an Island and blow them all up like fireworks. Um, I've even had the opportunity through the cutthroats who was a sponsor of the notorious arena league to play in the NAL. Um, I've met some lifelong friends in there that I've sailed with and done arena battles with and, and had on stream just an outstanding, a lot of fun. And I know a lot of those cutthroats are, uh, listen to the show, um, and, and things like that. So that was the, the, the push that I needed to take this game from. I like it to, this is a game that I'm going to play for a very, 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 very long time, uh, because of that community. Um, through the cutthroats, I was able to get through um, all the 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 gold curse, the tall tales. Had a great time playing with some of them through the pirates' life. Uh, in fact, some of them who had lost interest in the game because of the bugs and issues, uh, I was able to convince them back because hey, Disney and they like Disney, and we had a lot of fun playing through the uh, pirates' life um, and things like that, and. When I first got this idea of doing a podcast, I, I've toyed around with the idea of doing a podcast for a very long time. And I actually started up a podcast a long time ago. And of course, in my horrible, perverted mind um, and idea, it was called the Double D Podcast. Um, yeah, kind of like boobs. Um, but it was... Uh, it was, it was just me talking about whatever I wanted to talk about. It just didn't feel right. And I might try to relaunch that at some point in the future, but it just didn't feel right. And I've always wanted to do a show like this and a, a, a podcast that I really enjoy doing. And I just got the idea one day, hey, I'm going to do a Sea of Thieves podcast. I had no idea who Captain Logan was at the time. I had no idea who the Keelhaul podcast was at the time. I had no idea. And he had done, he had been doing hundreds of, like over a hundred episodes already. Uh, and I started to, to just put out episodes every so often. And, and, and it, it was fun. It was fun to talk about the game. Didn't gain a lot of traction early, um, but it slowly growed as, as I've kind of found my voice and, and what I wanted to do. And through that, I've, I've now got the opportunity to sail each week with Logan uh, and may, uh, make a great, great, great friend out of him. 
Uh, had the opportunity, obviously, to go over and do a panel at Sea of Thieves Fest uh, its first year. Uh, talked to Joe Neat and Mike Chapman and and Andy Preston and a whole bunch of folks at Rare, which that was an amazing opportunity. Um, but it all started with a family member who said, hey, I know you're kind of in the dumps and I know you've been searching for a game to help. Let's check out Sea of Thieves. And from there to figuring out that the trash and armor sucks or the trash and stuff sucks because it makes you glow to the first betrayal in my first Fort of the Damned to now one of the largest uh, Sea of Thieves uh, podcasts in the world. That was my journey. And I really love this game, even though I yell at it. I do truly love this game. I love the community and and the friends and the foes that I've met and fought along the way. Um, the, the All the cutthroats out there. VP and Cola and Moo. Uh, all you guys have been absolutely fantastic people in my life. Uh, and, and it's just been, it's been a crazy journey over these past uh, three years in this game. And I look forward to many, many more years and many, many more episodes of this show. So I hope everyone enjoyed the walk through memory lane. And I hope you all got a laugh out of my first. I'm going to trust this player because I came from World of Warcraft and, and EverQuest and no one's mean over there. No, I got freaking destroyed. And yeah, now you all know why I'm bloodthirsty out there and I don't trust anyone. And when I'm uh, and when I'm sitting there sailing and I see a ship, I'm like, I'm going to kill them. And the rest of my crew basically have to tie me to the mast and be like, no, not everyone is bad. Not everyone needs to die. And I'm like, but I need to kill them because that one guy back in the day on my first four of the damned blew me up and killed me. Now everyone must die. You see? Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this show and every show. Make sure you check out the Patreon. Make sure you check out my socials, Davram TV, just about everywhere. Come join the Discord. We have a lot of fun in there, and people are always looking for people to sail with. So come on over to the Game Legion Discord and check it out over there. But guys, until next week, where we'll go over the adventure and the patch notes, take care of yourselves and each other. And I will see you next time on Pirate Talk Radio.